Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, during the COVID-19 pandemic, businesses of all sizes have had to pivot, including today's guest. She went from, I'm telling you, high growth to zero revenue. I'm talking about Eva Sade. She's the founder of Floss Bar, a startup that brings dental care literally anywhere. And then the pandemic hit and she had to turn her mobile dentistry into a mobile COVID testing lab and rename the company MedBar. What a success. She's a Forbes 30 under 30. Eva, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hi. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. Thank you, Jeff, for having me on the show. Absolutely. So, I, wow, where to start? Let's get some background. What is Floss Bar? Yeah, so fundamentally, and, and they're, they're the same thing because they're a platform play. So you, you think Floss Bar is a medical you know, service, but it's a mobile dentistry startup. So you think about you've got humans to move around, you've got stuff to move around, uh, you've got the compliance aspect, and you've got technology. And what it puts together is getting those clinicians out of their four wall offices and bringing the care to the patient itself. Um, And that care is brought either to the workplace where the patients are during the day um, or to the community. I mean, the government wants you to do healthcare. They want you to do it outside. Um, And also there's various pharmacies and dental offices who aren't doing their full set of things they could do. So how do you bring creative delivery models to patients to weave them into their habits? And Flossbar started that with dental. Um, that's really the premise of the company. So you're you're an American success story. You're an immigrant, Harvard grad. You dropped out of Wharton, which I thought was kind of interesting. We'll talk about that. But well, what did you know about dentistry to get started with this? So interestingly enough, um, not much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a dentist. Uh, yeah, well, you have teeth. So you start with that, right? You, you got that, right? They look like nice teeth. So they have the whole bit, right? Yeah, good smile. I take care of them. Um, So I've got teeth and I've got a family that's very medical. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Brothers are both doctors. My sister's a nurse. People are married to nurses and doctors and therapists and and whatnot. So dinner table conversation is about the healthcare system, basically. And you know, arguments about random, random other things. But that's that's really what it was about. And no one was in dental. And I had a specific passion about about dental because of the scientific facts about it, how it's called the silent epidemic um, Mm. in the country. And so as a science nerd, because of my upbringing um, and being pre-med, because that's where, you know, family was pushing me, I learned about how the mouth is so connected to the body. It's ridiculous that we're not learning about it. Like your gums are pink. Great. They're the most capillaries um, densely in your system, which means all the stuff you put in it and all the bacteria and toxins go straight into your bloodstream. That's why partially why when diabetics get bad teeth, they're essentially the they put insulin in there. Their gums are more porous 
And then it like shoots up the amount of medicine. Like it's so crazy. It's effect on lots of systemic diseases. Plus it's, it's behind, it's behind um, the general healthcare system and innovation. So it was low hanging fruit. Yeah. So your first idea for a dental business didn't work. I mean, that happens a lot of times for entrepreneurs, you know, like I've, I've come up with numerous business ideas and, uh, you know, and they were never, never, never saw to fruition because they just, no one was ready to buy what I was selling at the time. So what was your first idea around the dental business? Yeah, we're a known pivoter. Uh, sometimes the people that read the beginning stuff still think we do it and reach out uh, to do it, which is just a fault of not getting enough PR sooner. Um, but anywho, um, the first stab at the the idea of access to care wasn't mobile dentistry. It was actually taking over dental offices in the evenings and weekends. So your Airbnb model, your spare capacity model getting hygienists to go in there. They're going to do the basics. They're doing cleaning, x-rays, whitening. And then the doctor or dentist is going to be looking at those x-rays the next day. The office is going to call up that patient because they've diagnosed a cavity um, or they want more orthodontic care. So the evening is a feeder to the morning, uh, basically, which a lot of dentists liked. However, um, what we found is that going direct to customer in dentistry is highly competitive in advertising space. Like you're, I mean, they're paying like 180 for customer acquisition for a general office and like 300 for a specialist. It's, it's crazy. We got it down to 90, um, which is pretty good. Like if you had a branded approach and, and all that fun and really, you know, speak your message to the customer, it was too much. And we're doing hygiene. Like the, the margins just didn't work out with the ad. See, I would think most dentists wouldn't even know their cost of acquisition. You know, you're 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 looking at it from what would traditionally a digital play cost of acquisition. Not everybody looks at it that way, which I think is kind of an interesting piece. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this message to talk more about this idea and why it did or didn't work. And then I want to get into the stuff that really is working. So we'll be right back after this message. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. C-Suite Radio. Hey, and we are back. We're live casting right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as I bring you All Business with Jeffrey has it right here on C-Suite Radio. And of course, we're talking with Eva Sajay. Now, she is the CEO of or founder of Floss Bar, uh, which is a, a, a thriving entrepreneurial business. We're talking about one of our ideas that didn't work. So tell me why it didn't always work. It sounds like a pretty cool idea, but dentists probably don't want other dentists in their offices. That's right. Dentists don't want hygienists in their offices at night. They don't want other dentists in their offices at night. Their office is their baby. It's their kingdom. It's their, you know, their their investment of usually debt because they're in so much debt after dental school. So just more debt. Um, so they're scared. They, you know, even if it's a feeder, the you know uh, pop up in the evenings is a thing. It's a feeder into their mornings. It's very risky for them. So grabbing offices and the cost of customer acquisition, it just wasn't the right path for us. So that at that stage, we pivoted to mobile dentistry, uh, which was more successful. 
So I talk about changing customer behavior. If you change behavior, it's a really tough thing to get people to do. Is that what you found to be the real issue there? Well, if you're changing behavior in the less effective way, it's hard. If you're changing it in a system that actually works and feeds upon itself, it's much easier. Yeah. Uh, Look at the stats. 80% of Americans want to go to the dentist, but don't actually go twice a year um, due to obstacles of fear, time and price, essentially. So the demand and supply, and I mean, available supply hours you can book that you're not busy. Um, is woefully not matched in the market. By the way, folks, is telling you I go four times a year, and it's the best investment that I that I make. And by the way, I wish I'd have done that in my twenties, my thirties, and forties. Okay, so just kind of keep that in mind for you, all you folks. That's the one of the biggest regrets. I think. Uh, listen to what she says about the, about the mouth, about the mouth. One of our, you know, it gets us into trouble and keeps us out of trouble in a lot of different ways. Okay. So, you know, Flossbar got a big investment from Colgate Palmolive. How did you get the executives to pay attention to you? Well, in in general, companies pay attention to us because we have synergies in the marketplace. Um, And so if you think of what we do, um, you know, in terms of phase two and phase one, I just described didn't didn't go so hot. Um, In phase two, when we're bringing um, the actual dental services to the workplace, you have a blessing from HR because they signed a contract with you. So you're recommended by the influencers um, in the organizations. And you've got a captive market of people that you're marketing to that talk all day to each other um, versus sometimes. And so so from an incentives perspective, the people interested in our, our business are insurance companies. We reduce risk for them. We make them look good for their clients product companies because we're putting it in on really high real estate. Uh, If you think of, okay, you're putting it into the workplace where there's a captive market, you're more likely to sell products, right? And then dental groups, they want to come on site. They want to go there. You have access to that market. Um, So there's a lot of, you know, we're a win-win scenario for the industry. So that, that brings in diverse players to want to work with us. Pretty and pretty smart idea. So you're actually taking the dentistry practice to the business. What do you have a van that's set up outside? Depends on business size. So we ideally like to go into the conference rooms because um, the it's winter um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, but we have um, vehicle fleets. So we've got um, trailers that come, little buses. So the big ones for the big clients, the little ones for the little clients. But predominantly, our business is those pop ups. Um, because the shorter the patient has to walk, um, the more yeah. appointments are going to be booked. So if you put it outside, you know, you, you got to put it right next to their desk for them to go. Um, so, so that's what we try and do. I would imagine the customer satisfaction has got to be pretty high there too. Yeah, we've got an 8.7 NPS score, mm-hmm. um, which is, is pretty good. They recommend each other. It's funny. They send their guinea pig um, type teammate and say, all right, Bob, you go. and tell You us go that. first. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I would I would love that. I would love it coming to my house. I would love to have it come into my business in a heartbeat. So that would be a, you know, a really back when I was an executive of a major corporation, we used to have that service for the executives. It was kind of one one of those nice treats. So so COVID-19 hit and you had to pivot a little bit because obviously people, I mean, my local dentist, they shut down. You couldn't get an appointment for a long, long, long time. 
Did you know anything about medical testing? How hard was it for you to pivot to that? So our dental idea was working fine. Phase two was fine. It was like 38% quarter on quarter growth. Um, good, good pace for, for our sector. But when, when COVID hit, I mean, April's revenue was zero. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. And we were going for, for our next fundraise and, oh man. And so it was, it was sink or swim. Um, the ideas were to hibernate. And just like lay people off and lay low until until COVID uh, goes away and people want you in their mouth, in their conference room, you know, it's respiratory pandemic, they're not going to really want it. Uh, a lot of clients push their contracts due to force majeure clauses. So what what we did is we we thought about what do we fundamentally provide? Like, who are we? What's our exact service? And we realized that we're doing four things to get to get a service to the workplace. We're doing compliance, humans moving around, stuff moving around, and technology backbone for the customer journey. So that means we can do other things. You get other humans, you train the right. existing humans, you make different supply packies, you you spend a lot on your lawyers again. Um, and so so that's that's what we did. Um, and and we really uh, for COVID, diversified supply lines. That was an early problem. You know, you can't get access to COVID tests. You can't get access to COVID tests. You couldn't get access to COVID tests if you've got two suppliers that you're contacting. If you're contacting 60 of them and bugging them every single day, you're bound to get some COVID tests. Yeah. Um, and what we found is actually a lot of red tape. And we are great at figuring out ways to get around red tape that's still in the spirit of the law like that kind of labor arbitrage, legal arbitrage, like that's our IP. And so we learned that even to prick a finger with your antibody test, those little packets, you need to get a high complexity laboratory license and hire a pathologist. Just like what? <laughs> and so what did we do? We hired a pathologist and got a high complexity laboratory certificate um, as fast as possible. So you learn what you need to do and you just execute. It's about execution and, and um, knowledge IP and taking what your fundamental things and assets you have and applying them to something somebody actually wants to buy now. Right. It's a step and repeat, taking the same kinds of platform and applying it across the same things to the people that need to have certain kinds of things that you can deliver. Whatever. doesn't make a difference if it's a box of soap, a cure for disease or political candidates in the packaging of how you do that, which I think is a really smart. Hey, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after this message from our great, great advertisers. C-Suite Radio. And we are back live casting right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as I bring you all business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Of course, we're talking about, hey, dentistry and pivoting and medical tests, everything. Eva uh, Sade is the founder of Floss Bar, a startup that brings dental care literally everywhere. And when the pandemic hit, like a lot of us, she pivoted and pivoted in a great way. Now, where are you operating today? So we're operating across the country. Yeah. We're concentrated Northeast because that's where our HQ is. That's where we started services and that's where the team is based. Um, but we've got a flyer program as we call it. So a bunch of people willing to pull, you know, they have a packed suitcase um, and they're ready to go next day to fly to a client um, that has a pandemic outbreak. 
Wow. So did did I understand you had about 20 business ideas before starting Floss Bar and Med Bar. How important is having a good idea or finding the right problem to solve? And also, what were your best and worst ideas? I want to hear those, too. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> so I call it structured creativity. Mm-hmm. So it's where you you vomit all your ideas onto an Excel sheet. Um, and you're, you're going through each one and listing out the pros, the cons, the startup costs, the, you know, what, what different people think about it. And so I would just run all the ideas by, by people, um, and see, see really what sticks, um, what people think. And so, so let's go to best and worst. Um, so best idea was floss bar. Um, the worst idea was, um, what was it called? Bagalicious. <laughs> <laughs> and what was bagalicious? Oh God. It was um using a spare capacity of Uber driver trunks to yeah. grab people's shopping. And then if you're going into a club, they grab your jacket. It's like a, a coat check that runs around the city. Oh, um all right. stuff around more freely. No, yeah. I'm the, the problem is problem is matching those coats up with those drivers who want to take off and don't want to stick around till 2 a.m. to be able to deliver the coat. Yeah, I can get where it goes, right? Yeah, yeah. so that wasn't going to work. Uh, but that's a, a good idea. But I, I like the grocery piece. The grocery makes sense. Yeah, groceries made, made sense. Yeah. And, but I was thinking more in terms of your shopping. But now a lot of shopping is online. Yeah. I didn't quite get to groceries. Yeah, they figured out. They figured that a lot of well, a lot of the retailers have figured this out, especially with food as well. So, um, you know, Forbes named you the top one of the top thirty under thirty. What's your advice for the next generation? The advice is get out there while you're young, and get out there while you're steady in life. Yeah. So when you have low risk moments, because entrepreneurship is a risk. I dunked all my savings into this. That was our seed capital, um, yeah. my savings. Um, and so when you think about it, when you're at risk and you've got a bunch of kids or something, or you've got an elderly parent um, and all of that, you're not likely to go be an entrepreneur. So taking that risk when you're young, setting those expectations with your family that you're going to be pretty absent, like setting the expectations that in your life, it's not going to be work-life balance. It's going to be work-work balance. Um, and not constantly then having to apologize to people that you're not talking to them uh, is is super important if you want to go for it. And if you want to be all in, you got to go all in. Like you can't, as a student, raise hundreds of thousands in capital. I'm not going to give it to you. Um, so over diversifying. Once you've done your pilot, just just go, just go try it. That's a good one. So, what was the best advice or business or otherwise that you've ever received? I think the best advice I've ever received is that your job as a CEO and as a founder is figure out who to believe. There's going to be advice going, you know, everywhere. Everybody's got an opinion. Um, and so you got to you got to figure out who is believable to actually listen to, who has a track record, who's just nuts, who's like out to get you with their bad idea. I mean, hopefully a minority, but you never know people's incentives. Right. Um, so cutting through the noise to have a consistent 
what's your mission? What's your goal? What are your hypotheses versus what's everyone saying and who do you trust is one of the hardest things in startup leadership. You go in the wrong direction, you waste money. You are capital constrained unless you just raise a bajillion. Or time and time's money for you too when you're an entrepreneur. I mean, you only have so much time. That's right. Exactly. So think about that as your main job and leverage your experts, but also make them debate and figure out which ones are crazy. And there's a lot of false prophets out there right now that are actually preying on entrepreneurs, preying on people that they'll do this and this and this. It's, it's, you got to pay attention. I think that's important. I also see that you like solving, I read this, solving escape room puzzles. I don't, I don't think I'd have the patience for that. I'd just probably bust through the door. What, what, business, what business lessons are you learning from those? I, <laughs> it's a fun activity with my team, too. Yeah. Like whenever we bring sure, up yeah. a new hire, we go and play escape, escape the room. And, and it's, it's all about thinking laterally, like what connects to what versus, you know, the linear path of the clues, because they're not obvious um, puzzles, you know, puzzles like Sudoku, they're linear. It's not about thinking, you know, the phone number on that screen connects to this computer and is also the code for this box because Cleopatra's there and she's got three pieces on her necklace. Like, like, so that kind of thinking really, really opens up your brain and it's, it's fun. I mean, you have a cocktail before, so uh, that's nice. Or, or, or during that usually helps me get out of the room a little bit faster. There you go. (laughs) Hey, what a pleasure to have you talking to Eva Eva Sade. She's the founder of Floss Bar. Uh, It's a startup that brings dental care literally everywhere. So make sure you get to check it out. Floss Bar and also their renamed company, MedBar. So get a chance to check out both. It's great having you, Eva, right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. I sure appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. What did I learn? Hey, I learned the pivots. Okay. You know, a lot of people talk about pivoting. Oh, they pivoted, they pivoted. But look, this is a gal that did a really good job of saying, look, we do this one thing and we do it really well. What are the other things we can layer on top? That's a step and repeat, folks. And that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. Don't forget, tell your friends because that's how we grow. You know, we're a top 10 podcast on our own network. I own the network, but it's good to be one of the top uh, shows on the network too. And you make that happen by telling people all about All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.